everyone. Thank you for listening to Draw Near with Fred and Kara, except today it'll just be Kara. We've kind of always tried to do Draw Near together. We don't really like to do the episodes without one another because it's very much a passion that we both have in ministry. And I hope that 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 comes across in the shows and in the episodes. But life does happen sometimes. I've got a little bit of a cold and Fred is preparing to lead a parish staff retreat and getting ready to speak at the National Knights of Columbus conference, actually. So we just ask that you please keep us in your prayers as we continue to pray for you. But it'll just be me today. Um, But before we get into today's topic, I want to tell you all that Fred and I would really like to do an episode where we take questions from all of our listeners and just answer those questions together. Um, It can be questions about the faith, about church teaching, scripture, or if you want to know more about Fred's story as a convert to the faith, I've actually had a few people say, oh, I wanted to know more. I wanted to hear more in that episode. Or you can ask us, what's your favorite pizza topping? Whatever it might be, we welcome it. So if you would like to send us a question uh, for one of our upcoming episodes, you can email us. That email is super easy to remember. It's just drawnearmovement at gmail.com. Movement at gmail.com. We can't wait to hear from you. But getting into today's topic, so this coming Saturday, May 1st, is the Feast of St. Joseph the Worker. The entire year actually has been declared the year of St. Joseph by Pope Francis. Um, but this coming Saturday is the Feast of St. Joseph the Worker. And I think this really gives us a great opportunity to learn more about the Father of Jesus. So I thought it was pretty timely to talk about this holy man that God chose to father him. And I do say father. You know, we often say foster father, that Joseph is the foster father of Jesus. But I actually like what Father Calloway writes in his book, The Consecration of St. Joseph. He says that when Jesus was a child and learning to speak, his first words were not foster father. They were dada or daddy. Joseph was chosen because You know, a human savior needed a human father. He needed someone to hold him, to speak to him, to teach him what it looks like to be a virtuous man living in the world. So I do tend to say father when I'm talking about St. Joseph because he was the father of Jesus. When we look at a family that has adopted children, we we don't constantly say you're his foster father, you're his adopted father. You're just their father, right? You know, as Catholics, we talk a lot about Mary. I would love to do a future episode about Mary. I adore her. She's she's my girl. Mama Mary, that's what my daughter calls her. But we talk a lot about Mary and we talk a lot about Jesus. But I think often St. Joseph is kind of overlooked. And, you know, it's, it's a good thing to talk about Jesus. He's our Savior. It's a great thing to talk about the Blessed Mother. But we overlook St. Joseph, who is the head of the Holy Family, who was married to the Mother of God, who raised Jesus. And yet he's sometimes forgotten. And, you know, we have this um, plan for salvation history, and we talk about how Mary was set aside for all of time, for all of history, and she was preserved from sin. And that's all true when we see that in Scripture in Genesis 3, where it talks about I will put enmity between you and the woman, between her offspring and your your offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. So we know that from a woman, which is Mary, is going to come um, an offspring, which is Jesus, that is going to crush evil. So we talk about, you know, how God always had this plan for our salvation and Mary was always a part of it. 
But it's pretty clear that he intended Joseph to be a part of this plan for redemption as well. And I want to start, you know, salvation history starts at the very beginning of creation in Genesis. But I want to start with talking about God's chosen people, the Israelites, because You know, he called Abraham out in faith, and then Abraham had a son, Isaac. Isaac had a son named Jacob. God renamed Jacob to be Israel, and Jacob slash Israel had 12 sons. And those 12 sons make up the 12 tribes that are the kingdom of Israel. And somewhere along the way, if anyone's familiar with the story of of salvation and the Israelites, somewhere along the way, the people of Israel wanted to be like other kingdoms. That's their first mistake. God actually chose them to set them apart from other kingdoms, but they wanted to be great like other kingdoms. That's what scripture says. So God gave them an earthly king like other kingdoms. He gave them King David. King David was God's anointed king over the 12 tribes of Israel. And after David's son Solomon, the kingdom split into northern and southern tribes. And, you know, they had a a slew of terrible kings who did not lead them to be God's holy people. They were carried off into exile, and the Davidic kingdom essentially was no more. I get super excited when I talk about scripture, but, um, but I actually think that many Catholics never had deep exposure to scripture. So, um, so bear with me, things are getting exciting. Um, But there is At this point, there's really no more Davidic kingdom, and there's been no evidence or word of like a continuation of the Davidic kingly line. Okay, so in Isaiah chapter 11, it says that a shoot will come from the stump of Jesse, a branch from its roots. So Jesse was the father of King David, the king of of the people of Israel. So it says that a shoot will come from the stump of Jesse. And then it goes on to talk about a hymn, a hymn, H-I-M. I I have a cold, so it sounds like I'm saying a hymn, like what you would sing. But it goes on to talk about a hymn. The Holy Spirit will rest upon him. His delight will be the Lord. Talking about this shoot. So this shoot or branch that is coming out of the Jesse tree, the family tree of the kingly line of David, will be a hymn. A him who is anointed by the Spirit of God. Who might that be? (laughs) Right? That's Jesus. So the people of Israel, they know this passage. They know scripture. They know the words of the prophets. And they know that their Savior is going to be from the kingly line of David. Okay, so place yourself in the shoes of a Jewish person. You have had a great kingdom that God himself chose and instituted and placed a great king. He brought you into a promised land. He gave you this great kingdom, but that kingdom then split. And the leaders are not leading the people. And foreigners come in and they take over the land and they carry the people away into exile. You haven't seen a king in many, many, many years. You haven't heard of the Davidic line in such a long time. And then you read Luke's gospel at the Annunciation, and it says, The angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin. Oh, a virgin. That's from Isaiah 7, right, where it says, And a virgin will give birth to a man, and they will call him Emmanuel. So already we know that the Savior is going to come from a virgin. So it says that the angel came to a virgin, betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. 
if you are a Jewish person reading the gospel of Luke, having knowledge of the prophecies of the Savior, knowing that that he will come from a virgin, knowing that he will be from the Davidic kingly line, and you hear this, that, that an angel of God comes to a virgin who's married to a man from the Davidic kingly line, you are like, this is it. This is it. This is a, such a huge moment in their history. And Joseph is a part of it. He is a key part of it. So absolutely, Mary was set aside for all of time, but so was Joseph. He was always God's plan to be his earthly father. You know, when I pray to St. Joseph, but also when I'm just kind of reflecting on the memory of St. Joseph, there's usually one common word or theme that comes into my mind. Humility. And when I was preparing thoughts for this specific episode, I was thinking, oh, this will be great. One of my favorite lines in the litany of St. Joseph is, Joseph most humble. But then I actually went and I went to pray it and I realized that that isn't even a title (laughs) given in the litany. I was honestly shocked because I was so convinced that that Joseph, the humble, was within there because that's what stood out to me the most when I would pray that when I think about St. Joseph. But then it came to me and I realized the reason that I associate Joseph with being humble is because every single title that he is given can be summed up into one. Joseph model of humility. You know, he he actually does have titles like husband of the mother of God, foster father of the son of God, guardian of Christ, head of the holy family, Joseph most obedient, Joseph most loyal, pattern of patience. I could go on and on, but but none of these titles could have ever been accomplished in, in how he lived his life and the reasons why we call him all of these if he were not also a model of great humility. You know, think of if somebody has ever asked you this question or if ever someone were to ask you this question, what would your answer be? If someone asked you, who are your favorite saints? Because we usually go to ones that we relate to or who have written something really great or impactful, or maybe who have died martyrs, right? Like St. Teresa of Calcutta or St. Augustine or St. Paul. Joseph is often overlooked. And maybe this is, this is why Pope Francis declared this year the year of St. Joseph, because now is the time to turn to St. Joseph for what the church needs. But for most of history, he has been overlooked you know, up against the backdrop of the other members of the Holy Family, his sinless wife and the savior of the world. But in humility, it seems like this is what he wanted. Because as the head of the Holy Family, he could have written this great treatise, this great teaching on the Trinity. I mean, he held the second person of the Trinity in his arms. He could have written on the Blessed Mother, He loved her and gave his whole life to her in marriage. He could have written about the Blessed Mother and given us all of this beauty of her interior life, but he didn't. Because in humility, he accepted the role that God gave to him to simply be present in his role as a husband and as a father. Even after death, Joseph remains humble. Even after he died, he remains humble because he had this amazing part in salvation history, and yet he's barely mentioned in scripture. And he's okay with that. You know, what we know about him comes from 
what he did because he actually is completely silent in scripture. He doesn't say one thing. So what we know about him comes from what he did. Like we know he is obedient. That is one of his titles, Joseph most obedient, because he listens to what God asks of him. You know, he he takes his pregnant bride into his home, even though she's not pregnant by him. She's pregnant by the Holy Spirit, but he takes her into his home because the angel says to him to do so. He names the child the name that the angel gave to him in obedience. He flees to Egypt because he was told to. He moves to Galilee because he was told to. It takes a great deal of humility, in my opinion, a great deal of humility to be obedient in all things asked of us. And Joseph is obedient in all things that God asks of him. Talk about humility. But his actions show that. And we also know about him from his absence. Like we know that he died before Jesus's ministry began because he isn't there. He isn't at the foot of the cross. And he absolutely would have been had he been alive. So we get to see how truly humble Joseph was by those different titles that he is given. And those titles come from what scripture shows us of St. Joseph and what the church knows of St. Joseph, that he is a model of humility. You know, I think pride is a real issue plaguing the world that we live in. And of course it is. Of course it is. It was the first sin of Adam and Eve, and it worked. So they're not going to, you know, spiritual warfare, the evil ones are not going to leave that behind. It worked. It was the first sin. Of course it's going to continue. It's been around from the very beginning. But it's not just pride among non-believers, but it's also among all of us who are, are striving, actively striving for holiness. And I've mentioned this before, but to quote, I believe in love, humility is the heart of holiness. And maybe this is why I'm so drawn to St. Joseph and his humility, because I do think that Joseph, in his continued hum- humility after death, he remained overlooked after death until the right time. Now is that appointed time. I am confident, 100% confident, that we are a world filled with hidden and overlooked saints. I know it. I know it. We're a world filled with hidden and overlooked future saints. And I love that. But God calls every single person to be a saint. Imagine if we were a world not just filled, but overflowing with hidden and overlooked saints. You know, in our last episode of Draw Near, we talk about holiness. And I said that holiness is where it begins. It's where it has to start. But if humility is the heart of holiness, then humility is really where it begins and where it has to start. Joseph was a silent man, a simple carpenter leading his poor family in nowhere Nazareth. He never sought glory, and yet God chose him for a glorious role as Jesus' father. So I want to encourage all of you to learn about and reflect on St. Joseph the chosen simple man who led the Holy Family and desires to lead us to his son through humility.